Always a pleasure to have your company. Welcome back to the Gallery of Curiosities. I remain, as always, your humble host, Osgood. Ah, October. Spooky season is upon us again. Simply the best time of the year. Let's start off this evening with something... witchy. Our exhibit for this evening comes by way of Mr. Ryan Cole, a speculative fiction writer who lives in Virginia with his husband and snuggly pug child. He is a winner of the Writers of the Future contest, and his work has appeared in Ember Journal, Voyage YA Journal, and the Bram Stoker Award-nominated anthology, Mother. Tales of love and terror. Find out more at ryancolewrites.com. It'll be read for us this evening by Ms. Sarah Golding. Thread in the Mouth by Ryan Cole. She came to my forest as I and my sister before me once had. Young, alone, desperate for help from the witch in the woods, as if I weren't the one trapped in ten feet of dirt, dead and decayed from the neck down. Through the worms in my ears I could hear her start to dig. Clementine, she said. Clementine, are you down now? Stupid question. Where else would I be? The stone on my hips hadn't moved for years. My muscles were gone, my limbs only bone. My killer had been sloppy, but not so sloppy that I could have escaped. Having siphoned what was left of my life into my head had its benefits, sure. My soul was intact. I could see through the glue he had poured in my eyes and the yarn he had sewn through my tongue and my teeth. I remembered the spells that had given me my power, that he and the rest had long tried to steal. But a disembodied head could only do so much. I was weak and vulnerable and slowly eroding. If I didn't act soon, that power would fade and there wouldn't be anyone to make sure that my death and that of sweet Penelope never happened to any other young women again, which wasn't an option. I'm, I'm here, I said. The yarn in my tongue slipped into my throat and I coughed up years worth of mould and stale earth. Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> I'm here. Keep digging. But the girl couldn't hear. The slice of her shovel drowned out my voice. 
It wasn't until much later that evening when her boot heels crunched on the gravel of my tomb and her mud-blackened fingers pried open the lid that she finally found me. Clementine, she said, her eyes going wide, taking in the bones, the leathery skin, the shell of the witch she had heard was alive, but stories were one thing, seeing was another. Hello, I gurgled, but it came out as... The girl didn't answer, didn't need to. I could see it in her eyes, her curling lip, the way that she staggered to the wall of the grave pit, staining her dress as she scrambled up the side. She didn't even close up my tomb before she fled. Wait! 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 I yelled through the stitches in my lips. Wait! Come back! The same as I'd said to my sister on her deathbed, but no answer came, nothing but the whine of the winds and the trees, the cawing of the crows. The white lantern glow of the moon overhead, exposed to the night, I waited and hoped. It had been so long since someone had found me. She would come back. She, she would need my help. It was only a matter of time. Wouldn't she? The crows ate my eyeballs first. Or tried to, at least. The membranes had hardened. The irises crystallised. Each a prick of violet in a bone-white marble. Just as I had made them with my last dying breath. But. Crows didn't care. They pecked and they prodded, and when they finally gave up, my vitals were scattered far from where they belonged. My nose was on my chest. My eyes were by my shoulders. My tongue, still wrapped in red yarn, was on my forehead. I lay there for days, unable to run, unable to hide. Paranoia set in. Would he come back? Had he sent her to find me to make sure that what he had done had succeeded? But no, that was now more than 20 years ago. And then I wasn't so sure. On the morning of the fourth day, a shadow fell over me. It landed in the gravel grabbed at my eye with a small, muddy hand, and when I swivelled my pupil, I saw it was her, the girl from before. Ugh, she said. Why is it all sticky? She picked at the glue that was coating her fingers. Then she rummaged in the dirt and pulled out my tongue. My mouth, I said. Put it in my mouth. The girl leaned down can't understand you. She opened my lips, looping the yarn that was sewn through my tongue so that it fastened to the stump still trapped in my mouth. Try to talk now. I sighed, smiling. Ah, that's better. 
and this time the stitches weren't making me mumble. Now, give me my eyes. The girl hesitated. She glanced at the eye held tightly in her hand and the other half hidden in the dirt by her foot. She picked that one up. You can have this one now. She plopped it in its socket. You can have the other one when you've helped me. I glared. That's not how this works. She laughed. <laughs> and what will you do, eh? Take it from me. Well, at least put it down so you don't make me dizzy. Clutching the now-stained hem of her dress, she crouched and deposited the eye in my tomb. Too far away to roll up to my skull, yet still close enough that I could make out her face. The wild blonde hair, the pimply cheeks. She couldn't have been more than thirteen years old. Younger than I had been when I had come searching. What do you want? The girl bit her lip. It's my sister, she said. The withering got her when she was only a baby and it hasn't let go. She'll die if I don't do something to stop it. I looked at the ropey grey scars on her arms, the miniature cracks. What about your own? I isn't so bad. My withering can wait until after Ruby's better. So... She was willing to sacrifice herself for the good of someone else. An admirable quality for a witch in the woods. All right, I said. Bring your sister here and I'll see if I can help her. The girl dug her tooth even deeper in her lip. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, her legs are dried up. She, she can't walk anymore. You, you'll have to go to her. And how do you expect me to make it into town? I'll take you, said the girl. Your head is small enough to fit in my dress. She ripped off a strip of muddy cloth near the bottom. I'll wrap you in this so that nobody sees. And once we get to my house, you, you can hide in my room. So she was resourceful. Another mark in her favour. I accept that trade. My eye... For your sister. Done, said the girl, and she spat in her hand, wrapped the warm spit on my sharp, bony fingers. But we have to be careful. We can't let the mayor find out that you're around. I smiled. Huh. The mayor will have nothing to fear. I don't think so, said the girl. Oh, and why's that? Because, said the girl, you're wanted for murder. You've had a warrant out for your arrest for 20 years. The town looked the same as when I'd last seen it. Gloomy, damp, choked by the trees that were spreading from the forest, yet something was amiss. It wasn't the buildings, all covered in mould. It wasn't the silence. As I peeked through the dirty strip of dress on my face, I finally realised it was the people. They were sickly, mottled with thick grey scars that swallowed their legs, their arms, their necks. Each of them, to some extent, in some way, was withering. Hmm. 
In just 20 years, the plague had taken over. I don't understand. How could this happen? The girl slowed down and she whispered, You left. A lie. I didn't leave. I was unfairly killed. A disgruntled customer tried to steal my power. That's not what I heard. She ducked through a side door and into the kitchen of a small, slanting house. I heard that you killed him. I heard that you knew you were going to die soon and siphoned what was left of his life into you. Ever since then, we haven't had a witch. Not like it would matter. I squinted. Why not? The girl looked at me as if I'd spoken in crow. Siphoning is outlawed. The mayor said that no one can seek out your power. He said it's too dangerous. Said that witches can't be trusted. The idea was absurd, and yet, it made sense. So that's why so few came to my grave, huh? The girl just shrugged. The risk was too high, and no one would admit that they'd gone to you for help. So, not only was my life force fading, and with it my power, but the legacy I'd worked so hard to maintain, which I intended to pass on, was effectively in tatters. Where's your sister? Up here, said the girl, and she carried me upstairs. Now, the bedroom we entered was the size of a closet, but for the girl in the bed, and it didn't look cramped. She was painfully thin, and the cracks in her legs were like deep grey worms. She looked like Penelope before she had worsened, and yet she was upbeat, her cheeks red and splotchy. Marigold, said the little girl as she tried to sit up, but her muscles gave out. Ruby, said her older sister, grabbing her hand. This is Clementine. She's going to help you. Ruby inspected my head on the bedside. She didn't look scared, didn't even flinch. She smiled and ran a cold finger on my cheek. Your lips are all salty, just like the song. Not salty enough. Ruby grinned back. Fred in the mouth, salt on the lips, glue in the eyes, stone on the hips. She mimicked the song that I had heard too many times. That's the only way to kill a witch in the woods. But you're not dead. No, I said. I found a way to beat it. Ruby eased into her pillows once in. I wish I could be like you someday. Marigold, don't you want to be like Clementine? No said Marigold. Why not? said Ruby. She can do so much. Marigold paused. I don't want the pressure, the expectations. All I care about is you and mum and dad and that's enough. Interesting. In all my years as a witch I had never met someone who didn't want my power, who didn't try to steal it or trick me into more. Besides, said Marigold, look what happened to her. Yeah, said Ruby. I guess you might be right. Then 
awkward silence, both of them staring. Yet, the question remains, I said from the sheets, from where to take the life? Hmm? Which of your limbs has withered the least? My arms, said Ruby. They're basically normal. All right, then I'll siphon the life from your arms into each of your legs without taking too much. It'll leave your arms weaker, but stable. Is that okay? Yes, said Ruby. Marigold wiped the sweat on her neck. Go on, she said. It didn't take long to summon my power. I recited the spell, layering the words like a seed in my mouth so that once it was spoken, the magic could sprout and blossom and thrive. As Ruby's arms darkened, lending their life, the cracks in her legs began to disappear, the skin less grey, the scars smoothing out. The spell took only what it needed and no more. Ruby sat up as the dregs of my power dissolved in my mouth. She gaped at the newly healed skin on her legs. Thank you, she said. Oh, Clementine, thank you. Deal is a deal, I turned to Marigold. Now, give me my eye. Marigold pushed it with a thunk into my skull. I rolled it around so that both eyes faced her. What about your arm? Later, said Marigold. Once we see if it worked. Of course it will work. But the girl didn't hear me. She was too busy hugging her sister to her chest. The issue was not that my spell hadn't worked. The issue was that it had worked too well. Day by day, Ruby recovered. And as the withering receded, the girl did everything she could do before. Go to the market, run in the fields, seek out the friends who had long ago forsaken her. Which the town folk noticed. They well knew the plague was resistant to medicine. They knew that there was only one way she could have cured it. People are getting suspicious, said Marigold. She shuttered the windows in Ruby's tiny bedroom. You should uh, stay inside. But I don't want to, said Ruby. She cradled my head in her lap on the bed. I've been stuck in this room for, for the last two months. Marigold sighed. Then what's a few more days? Ruby's shoulders slumped. Fine. I'll stay here. After so many years confined to my grave, it felt good to have a friend, to not be alone. Most days, Ruby kept me hidden in her sheets. We talked and we laughed. I, well, I told her about how I first gained my power from the witch in the woods, how my sister, Penelope, had started to wither, how if I had been quicker, she, she might be alive. The withering took her. Ruby's eyes widened. I nodded. Yeah, that's uh, why I try to help other people people because I couldn't help her. Ruby frowned. That's sad. Well, now I have both you and Marigold, I said. She reminds me of what I was like at her age. 
annoying, laughed Ruby. Loyal, I said. Headstrong, brave. She would do anything to keep you safe. I know, I know, whispered Ruby. She twiddled her thumb. What would we do if someone finds out? If they knew that she found you, she, she might get in trouble worse arrested don't worry i said no one will know we bit her lip she didn't look like she believed me which i couldn't blame her for i didn't believe it either marigold came home early the next day or who we thought was marigold ruby and i were alone upstairs when we heard the front door of the house clicked open the staircase creak under two heavy feet. They crept into the hallway, stopped at our bedroom and knocked three times. When the door swung up, I heard Ruby gasp. Her tiny voice cracked. Hello, Mr. Mel. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to come over like this unannounced said the man in the doorway. But I was worried for your safety given recent events. That voice, it tickled what was left of my mind. I tried to peek over the bundle of sheets to see what he looked like, but Ruby had her hand wrapped tightly on my skull, tugging on my hair. Her fingers were sweaty and starting to tremble. I'm fine, she said. Perfectly safe. The man's voice softened. A very rare thing to reverse a withering. I could feel Ruby tense as he approached the bed. Of course, I am relieved that your health has improved, but at the same time, concerned. How did you do it? Do what? said Ruby. How did you find her? I don't know what you mean. The man took a wheezing, exasperated breath. The witch in the woods is gone for a reason. Her kind of help always comes at a price. I've never met a witch in the woods, said Ruby. And your sister, said the mayor. Never. Marigold is a law-abiding citizen. His laugh, all throaty and thick with condescension, was all too familiar. <laughs> the last time I heard it was deep in the woods on the night that I had died. I have it on record that your sister's been out there, picking through the forest, testing the boundaries. Marigold just done no such thing, said Ruby. I could hear the click-clack of the man's withered lungs as he took a deep breath. Just know this. If the witch is still alive and you do seek her help, there will be 
consequences. Her kind of power isn't welcome in our town. <sighs> Ruby didn't answer. She was shaking long after he left the bedroom, descended the staircase and relatched the front door. It's all right, I said, since I was certain that he was gone. Ruby's voice broke. She sniffled. <laughs> he knows. I smiled. Then we'll have to make sure he can't find me. Ruby nestled deeper in the well of her sheet. She snuggled up next to me. Clementine, I'm scared. I wanted to comfort her to show her I was brave, but that would be a lie, so I buried my face in her arm. Me too. Me too. Later that afternoon, once Marigold had come home, the three of us hid behind the locked door of Ruby's bedroom. It's him, I said. He's the one who tried to kill me. With the mayor? said Marigold. She lay next to Ruby on the edge of the bed. Why would he do that? I remember the look on his face that night. The fear in his eyes when he came to my woods, seeking the power that he hadn't ever trusted. He blames me for killing his brother, I said. Ruby's jaw fell. You killed the mayor's brother? I didn't do it on purpose. Ruby and Marigold looked at each other like the mayor had looked at me when my spell went awry. Look, siphoning, it isn't a precise form of witchcraft. If the source doesn't have enough life force to spare, it can leach too much from the rest of their body. His brother, when he bought him, was nearly all withered. There was nowhere left to take from. It was already too late. Marigold nodded. So, it was revenge. He came back to punish you for what he thought you'd done. That's awful, said Ruby. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't, I said. Did you try to tell him that? I laughed at her innocence. <laughs> You'd think he would listen. <laughs> he was terrified of me, of, of what I could do. Ruby sat up. We can't let him win. But what if he comes back to look? Said Marigold. But what if you hadn't been up here to hide her? Both of them looked at me, afraid to speak the truth. I can't stay here anymore. I made myself say. Ruby scrunched her face. Where would you go? Not to your grave. He knows where it is. What if we dug another grave, said Marigold. Away from the other, where only we can find it. Then we can visit you whenever we want. Ruby's face fell. But I like having you here. And I like being here, but your sister's right. We should go to the woods. The three of us ventured out just before twilight, my head in a knapsack over Ruby's shoulder. We stopped at a creek several miles from town, and Ruby sat beside me as Marigold dug. Can you teach me? She said. I want to learn to be a witch. 
question surprised me from someone so young. She didn't understand the implications of what she asked. It's more than just memorising the spell, I said. Each one you cast saps a bit of yourself. That's okay, said Ruby. I have a lot to give. You still haven't healed all the way from your withering. Hmm? Maybe in a few years, once you're all better, which I knew was a lie, I wouldn't make it that long. Ruby, however, wasn't deterred. Fine, she said. I'll be ready, I promise. Marigold dug until the dark closed in. When her shovel met rock nearly three feet down, she hopped out of the grave. Oh, I think it's deep enough. <sighs> Ruby carried me over, laid me in the dirt. She covered my ears with a threadbare blanket. For the evenings, she said, just in case it gets cold. I smiled as Marigold covered the hole with a few fallen branches to keep out the crows. Be careful down now. We'll be back soon. And the two of them left. I was once again alone. The minutes, it crept by like little black slugs. The loneliness ate at me as fiercely as the cold. How could I waste away all by myself? I'd finally found what I had always wanted. A sister, a home, an heir for my legacy. And I'd given it all up, just like that. I found myself hoping that they would turn around for one more hour, one conversation, one more snuggle in the grasp of their sheets, but they didn't turn around. All I had was silence. I just closed my eyes when I heard a twig snap. The branches that were covering my grave slipped away. It was them. They were back. Oh, I had never been happier. Ruby, we said. Marigold, is that you? And then... And then I saw the mare's face lean into my grave. Hello, Clementine. It's been too long. He gagged me before I had a chance to fight back. Let me go! I tried to say, muffled by the rag, as I watched him pull a thick spool of yarn from his pocket. It was followed by a small cloth packet of salt and a bottle of glue. The mare took a tight, wheezing breath, then grinned. You won't find a way out this time. He said. Panic set in. White, hot and searing. I had nowhere to go. No way to escape. A nice trick you played. Sequestering your life. He started to thread the red yarn through a needle. If I had known you could do that, I... I would have been more thorough. I called out for help, but the gag kept me quiet. My tongue was wadded up. I couldn't form the words and as the needle met my lips picking at the same holes from 20 years ago I didn't think of myself didn't think of the grave that I would lie in forever I thought about Ruby and Marigold and their parents and about how they would all suffer if the withering spread and about all of their untapped wasted potential and all because of one man 
I heard a leaf crunch, but the mayor didn't turn. His attention was all on the needle in his hand and a thread in my mouth that would stifle my voice. He stuck a grey thumb in the packet of salt and he smeared it on my lips, my cheeks, my chin. Another leaf crunched in the forest behind us. I wriggled away from his dry grey fingers, my skin this time was drinking in the salt, sapping the life that enriched my spells. Frantically, I rubbed up against the grave wall, which the mayor didn't see. He was watching the tree line. And just as quickly, he wasn't. Tangle of blonde hair barreled into him. Ah! Marigold stomped on his wrist, his ankle. Ah! As Ruby jumped into my grave and scooped me out. <laughs> she pressed my face into her tight chest as she ran. Then she dove behind the trunk of a long, rotted tree, and she picked at the newly drawn stitches in my mouth. You came back for me, I said. Of course, of course we came back. And we heard someone creeping through the woods. We, we got worried. As a matter of fact, way of speaking made me laugh, made me never want to stop, but the danger wasn't gone. We have to help Marigold. No, said Ruby. That's just a distraction. We have to get you out of here. But the girl was wrong. Put me down, I said. Ruby didn't budge. If I don't stop him now, he'll ruin the town. I don't have a choice. I have to fight. I have to end this. Ruby must have felt the intensity in my voice. She bit her bottom lip as I started to speak. The spell came heavy. Oh, gloopy and slow, but not for lack of practice. It was laden with fear, with the crisp realisation that this would be the very last seed I ever cast. That the price of my power this time would be fatal. Yet, I kept on speaking. Layering the words, shaping the phrases like a pearl in an oyster, draining the life that remained in my head so I could siphon the life from the man at my grave. Marigold did her best to lead the mare away, but she tripped on her dress and fell face first in the dirt. She kicked at the mare and <coughs> she grabbed onto her ankle, ugh, pulling her back towards where Ruby and I hid. That was when I cast it spit out the seed spell, bracing myself for the whiplash of power and all of my intent, all of my anger, all of my quietly concealed desperation crashed into the man who had once tried to end me. <sighs> On impact, the mayor let go of Marigold. <sighs> he splayed on the ground, <sighs> grey skin darkening. The cracks in his chest turning into wide chasms. <gasps> the life that I had siphoned from his chest to his legs left nothing to maintain the beating of his heart. Nothing to channel the swiftly pulsing blood. <gasps> he withered and crumpled in a heap in the grave. And he didn't get up. Not. Then, not ever. Marigold tripped as she raced towards Ruby. She knelt by my slowly disintegrating head, 
How do we stop it? You can't, I said. Ruby lay next to me. She started to cry. What, what do you mean? You, you beat him. We, we beat him. <laughs> we used what was left of my life for that spell. Marigold faltered. What about your pelt? Where will it go? Back to the dirt. Marigold paused. She looked back and forth between me and her sister, weighing her options. She held out her hand. Give it to me. Ruby's eyes widened. What? No fair! Marigold ignored her. We can't let it go. Not when so many need it. I'm older. I should take it. I puckered my lips, starved for an answer. After all she had seen, after all that had happened, the girl was willing to take on my burden, yet she still didn't want it. That much was clear. Not so Ruby. You... You should give some to me. Ruby, said Mary Gold. You aren't ready for it. That doesn't mean that someday things will be different. I'm sure we can share it. Right, Clementine? You think so, I said, totally unsure. I think the prospect of sharing my power was foreign. I, I'd always assumed I would carry it alone. Which placated Ruby. She rested a small, muddy hand on my forehead. I'm going to miss you so much, Clementine. I smiled. Don't worry, you'll be fine on your own. Marigold haltingly leaned towards my face. She grimaced. I'm ready. The spell this time came easy as breath. And it may have been exhaustion, may have been the fact that my skull was nearly dust, but the moment it left me, I... I felt a release, a wave of relief that I had found a good home, that all I had done wouldn't be for nothing. That was my comfort as the darkness took me. She came to my grave as her sister once had, though now she was older and she wasn't alone. The girl at her side, maybe ten years old, was nervously clutching her now wrinkled hand. This, said Ruby, is where we met Clementine. The girl's eyes sparkled. The, the witch in the woods. Ruby's laugh brightened in the toilet forest. <laughs> She wasn't a witch, just a, a woman like us. I want to be as strong as, as she was, said the girl. Ruby smiled at the younger version of herself. You will be, someday, once you grow into your power just like your Aunt Marigold and I did. I listened 
as the two of them sat down and talked. The shadow of my spirit lingered long after they left, and I eagerly waited as the years crept by, and each new generation came to my forest, the women and sometimes the men, to say hello, to pay their respects, to share in their joy. And as they turned to leave, I I would ride on the wind, whispering gently in their ears. Our reader for this evening was Ms. Sarah Golding, who has created a huge range of character types for indie audio drama and been in such wondrous podcasts as Amelia Project, Edict Zero, and The Silt Verses. Ooh, The Silt Verses. I do like that one. Very, very grim. She hosts a Chatterama format indie AF podcast and conducts audio drama and voice acting workshops with her company, Quirky Voices. Find her at quirkyvoices.weebly.com. Thank you, Miss Golding. This was so fun. Yes, the, the chorus will see you out, and do mind that they don't get too close. I forgot to feed them this week. Yeah. You two should be on your way. I'm certain you have a lot of decorating to do before the big night is upon us. Oh, I do love October. Do make sure to check back on the Days of the Dead, as the spirits of the past have been known to temporarily haunt our feed. And come visit us again next time at the Gallery. Oh, curiosity. Gallery of Curiosities is produced under a Creative Commons International 4.0 non-commercial attribution no derivatives license. Story copyrights remain with the authors. Our theme song is Ashes, Ashes by Deus Ex Vaporamachina. If you like the show, give us some stars and reviews on your favorite podcatcher. This episode was produced in October of 2023. If you'd like to peruse the full show notes, visit us online at gallerycurious.com. It's been too long. I've been in Iceland. I learned how to raise the dead. They shouldn't allow people like me to know these kinds of things.